0: Everybody, and welcome to the Talkie City podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and joining me, as ever, from the Manchester Evening News, because I forgot to say that bit, I am also from the Manchester Evening News, funnily enough, but you know that! Also with me, of course, is Mr Joe Bray. Joe, how's it going?
1: Not too bad, thanks. Got my coffee, ready
0: for a, a big drive to Bournemouth tomorrow, so all, all, all good. Big trek, that uh, big trek, all and right. you know, we'll 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 talk about that in due time, but City had another Big trek, of course, in midweek all the way to East Germany, where they faced RB Leipzig in the first leg of the Champions League last 16 tight. It finished 1-1, and it was quite an interesting game. And as the as the cliche goes, Joe, a match of two halves. City kind of dominated the first half, really controlled the match, a, a formation completely not what Guardiola said it would be in the first half. Um, as part of the course, um, went ahead through Riyad Mahrez's fine strike following Jack Grealish's assist. But in the second half, as it's kind of becoming a little bit of a pattern following the weekend, um, the the opposing team grew back into it. A le- um, well, a lot in Ivy Leipzig's case, absolutely. Peppered the City goal for most of it and deservedly got an equaliser through Josco Gvardiol with 28 minutes to go. City had a um, few chances to win it themselves after that and grew back into the game at such. But all square after the first leg. Not the worst result in the world, Joe, but not the best either, of course.
1: Yeah, I think I mean we said it on here, if you offered City a draw in that first leg, bring it back to the Etihad. we know how dangerous Leipzig are to beat in Real Madrid at home and have a long sort of run of not losing at home. You'd have snapped the hand off for it. Like it was a it was a tricky game. And as Guardiola said after the game, if you thought City were gonna go and win there four or five 0 no, you were you were well mistaken. But the way the game went it was such a controlled first half. It's probably one of the best 45 minutes we've seen from City, certainly since the World Cup, but maybe beyond that as well. It's a little bit disappointing that they then sort of relinquish control slightly and the fact that, I'm sure we'll get on to, Guardiola didn't opt to change it and he didn't sort of go for the throw and try and counter. He sort of seemed to accept that, yeah, let's take a draw, let's bring it back to Manchester. And I can see why he's done that, but Ugh. after... After the sort of highs of that first half, it was, a, it, it was a really interesting sort of tactical first half we were expecting. You know, does Bernardo stay at left back? He names what looks like a back four without any sort of troubles with Nathan Ake on the left and Kyle Walker on the right. They warm up like that in the warm up and then come kick off, Kyle Walker's racing up the right right wing as a right winger. Uh, it's a back three. Bernardo Silva's not, con, not sort of patrolling the left back area. He's defensive mid and it's an, a completely new formation again it's it's a similar system but a new a new formation with, with the players that he had so um, yeah Guardiola when he was asked is it a back four is Nathan Ake playing left back before the game he had a bit of a smile and he was like yeah of course he is yeah yeah and then come kick off as we, as we we should have, should have expected by now it was uh, not that simple was it but no it was uh, I think game of two halves is it sums it up you don't want to use those cliches do you but it was it was uh, remarkable how how good City were in the second, in the first half, and how good Leipzig
0: were after the break. Mm-hmm. I'm actually quite annoyed I didn't spot it because like Guardiola's smile in that pre-match yeah. interview was beaming from here to there. I should have clocked it because he said he actually had the, the cheeks to say we always line up in a back four. I'm like, no, you don't. That's a absolute lie. But oh, bless him. It's, it keeps us all on our toes. It's very interesting. Um, I say it was quite. I say the formation worked kind of wonders in that first half. City so controlling. I thought. I think you pointed out that the formation just afforded so much space for Grealish, who took it. Um, you used it to great effect when he kind of pressed to win the ball and set up, set up that opener. His kind of fine form continues. But you know, you said that City with English control. I don't think they kind of had as much agency in it as that. I think like they didn't lose control. Leipzig wrestled it back. They came out, you know, all guns blazing. Uh, it was an absolutely raucous atmosphere over in Leipzig, and they kind of, I think, did they bring Hen- Henrik on, uh, Benjamin Henrik on, either at halftime or just before it, and that they saw, they obviously um, Marco Rosa obviously thought, oh, they are lining up in a back four, we won't really target that left side. Ake's a good defender, and they didn't. But when you notice that it's not the back four as they expected. It was more the back three. And there was a lot of space on that left with Ake and like kind of the left of the back three and having to kind of do both with Bernardo everywhere and Grealish kind of malaise in down the left. There was clear space there to be exploited. And with the introduction of Henrik, they really did exploit it. And they should have scored long before they did. And the best chance was when Henrik was put through in that down that right side and had loads of space and he dragged his, dragged his shot wide, like, it was it was smart from Leipzig they spotted what city were doing reacted accordingly and it was it was you know this is the first half as it tends to be with city because when they are great they they tend to be boring just because it's all about control keeping the ball but it was a kind of an interesting game how they had this they had the control they took the lead probably should have had more goals but I think the second half emphasized how good the first half was because Leipzig are not a poor team they are no mugs they have as we talked about um earlier this week they have a lot of attacking talent and Kunku only came on. Off the bench, then they had so much attacker talent already on the pitch, it, and I'd, I'd never even heard of this Benjamin Henrik before, and that he was he was brilliant, and especially especially in the last minute, as we'll touch on. So, cracking goalkeeper, exactly. So I don't I don't think it's a case of City themselves throwing it away as much this time, or of they were up against a really good opponent, and you can't just expect to control really good opponents all matches. No, and
1: that's exactly what Guardiola said after the game. He he said at half-time, if those players expected the, the game to go as it had done for the first 45 minutes, it, it wasn't going to happen. He said the, the manager was going to demand a response, the fans were going to demand a response. And yeah, like you say, Leipzig sort of, I think they pushed City back. So because they had more of the ball, I think they had about 24% possession in the first half, and then they actually had more possession than City in the second half because they had more of the ball they pushed City back into a back four that they didn't want to play. So while it was a, a solid looking back four, they were still trying to play the system of the first half, which relied on Kyle Walker getting up the right. And it just wasn't quite working. So they sort of put City off balance a little bit by just going on the front foot again. Like you say, Henricks was was quite a live wire on that that right-hand side. And it was, um, it, it, yeah, it was a, a very good sort of tactical performance from both sides I think it was you know we like to see the the chances going from end to end but I think what we saw in Leipzig was two managers really sort of having a go at each other mentally and 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 testing the tactics against each other and you know sometimes we don't often see it as obviously as we did um, in Leipzig but no it was um, I think credit to Leipzig as, as you say and one of their midfielders I forget the name he came out came out after the game and said you know, all we needed to do and we noticed in the first half is that if we sort of put a bit of a physical presence on City, they don't like getting stuck in. I'll try and find the exact quotes, but he basically said if if we sort of were a bit more aggressive with the ball without the ball, City would sort of just be taken aback a little bit and and that would allow Leipzig to sort of take control of the game in in that second half as as they did. So maybe that's something for for Guardiola to to look at in the future. But um, no, I, I think we will keep coming back to the fact that, all in all, a point away at Leipzig in the first leg isn't a bad result at all.
0: No, and especially when away goals aren't a factor anymore, there's not as much pressure. I know the City would have gotten away goal anyway and would be in a better position had that rule still been place. but there isn't much of an emphasis now on going away and getting a result as there is as there used to be when the away goal was a factor. So, you know, a 1-1 going to the Etihad, it's, it's certainly in City's favour, but it's 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 certainly finally poised, and as you say, Leipzig would have learned from that. Like they learned from City just in the first half and adapted to kind of hurt City. Well, I went well, man. Then what the hell? Um, how do how do um, kind of what does Pep do in response? Another second leg is so three weeks away, and there's a lot of football between them between then. But kind of looking a little bit ahead, what what do you, what do you kind of see City having to do to counteract that? Because surely you can't do the. Uh, the, the the false left back again, knowing that Leipzig are prime to so, to so punish that if they do.
1: Well, if you listen to Guardiola, he's going to play nine strikers. He said because uh, you know he he wanted he wanted that control in the first leg, and he he played probably more midfielders than he usually would. Um, yes, City will probably have to be a little bit more attacking in that second leg. That does mean sacrificing a little bit of defensive solidity, but you know. City have, will have learnt from that last time Leipzig came to the Etihad, City put six goals past them. Yes, they conceded three, but it was, you know, if City do attack, they will get goals. And it's not only City who will have to come out, Leipzig will have to come out and they'll have to do it at City. You can expect the crowd to be behind City and, uh, you know, home advantage does count a lot in, uh, in the Champions League and having that second leg at home. So you, you would still consider City favourites. And just hearing Guardiola speak after the game, he was saying, "Yes, we can't compete with Leipzig or or German sides in general when it comes to the transitions are a lot faster." So he knows where the issues lie. He's now got three weeks to analyze that game. He's been given plenty of uh, plenty of evidence to to analyze on in both halves of how how the game went, and they will be able to sort of devise a plan that you would at, at the very least expect to uh, to get a goal and, and put the pressure on Leipzig.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you know before we kind of delve into maybe a few of the the negatives from the match, let's talk about the positives again. And they remain um, Jack Grealish, and and well, he didn't play against Forest, but he did certainly here against uh, Albie They're keeping his fine record against scoring against them intact. Riyad Mahrez, it was it was a great goal, and I think one that really typifies Jack Grealish's real. I I, I wouldn't go as far to say transformation, but almost kind of his full acclimatation to this City team. I think. We, I think we all said before the season, like every city attacker needs a year to really get accustomed to to uh, Guardiola's methods. It happened with Bernardo, it happened with uh, Mares himself, so many. Um, you know, Haaland's done amazing to be scoring so many so quickly, hasn't it? Um, but agreeless, really, so you'd need a year to really get accustomed to it, and it maybe took a little bit longer. I think, I, I was certainly critical after the the Borussia Dortmund home match uh, earlier, well, October was it, I believe. Um, when he was really poor, didn't get into the game at all. And then after that, there was a big response. But since the World Cup now, he just looks like he belongs in that team, which I think a lot of people never thought he would. I think a lot of people kind of were worried that he would lose that spark, that verve that made him such a kind of uh, big, begu- begu- beguiling player to, to watch, so um, so enchanting. But he's still got that. I think mean, there was one moment in that second half, where, he, or maybe in the first half, where he got the ball and he just, within a second of getting it, he's kind of wriggling past the defender with such quick feet. And then obviously, customary getting absolutely uh, poleaxed to the ground as he as he tends to as it tends to happen to him. But to 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 be winning the ball in like a press, where you no one ever kind of associated Grealish with defensive work. But we've pointed out a few times now the Tottenham match. I think both Tottenham matches, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it the the two um, the two the four two when he was kind of. He was, took a bit of umbrage with the best thing that happened. He did was the, t- the sliding tackle. He wasn't best pleased with that. But we've seen the defensive work he's been putting in. He's really he's putting in a lot of hard work. And to to win the ball in a press high up the pitch to then have the 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 state of mind and the 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 ability to pick out the perfectly weighted pass. I know it was kind of dummy helped on via Gunduan, but he played Mavis for and then we'll talk about Maris in a minute. But before and Grealish, I think he's scored or assisted in the last three games now. And he's been the city's most consistent performer since the World Cup.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's gone down as Gundogan's assist. I I disagree with that because I don't think he got if he got a touch, it wasn't meaningful. He he meant to sort of step over it. The goal but doesn't as, get
0: made if it's not Grealish, does it?
1: Exactly. Yeah, I th- I think it, if we give it to Grealish on on this podcast, we can sort of support the points that we're going to make because yes, he he got more space in the formation. The fact that Kyle Walker was the widest right player meant that had Mahrez was playing slightly inside. That attracted in the first half about three or four Leipzig defenders and defensive midfielders. And as a result, that gave Jack Grealish just a lot more space on the other side. now I think it's seven seven or eight starts in a row now for Grealish. Obviously, Phil Foden has been injured for, for most of those. But he's got a run in the team. He's got a confidence now that he is going to keep his place. And Guardiola said that if Foden's getting back in the team, it's on the right-hand side with... Uh, in competition with Maras. So Grealish knows that that left spot is his. He's deserved it. He's earned it. He's uh, he's played well for a long a long time now. Now he's adding the goals and assists. As we say, even if he doesn't officially get that assist, he's the one who's made it. It's not the first time. So, World uh, Cup. sort of being aware and pounced on a defensive mistake and made a goal. It happened at Leeds as well. Um, and it, it was just sort of a, a result of confidence, I think. I'm not sure Jack Grealish a year ago would have a maybe sort of pounced on that mistake and B made such a direct sort of run and contribution and pass. He would have maybe played it safe and played it wide. Instead, he's played it towards two two um attacking players making a run and it's resulted in in a very good goal. So no, I think we're gonna ourselves silly talking about Grealish but he he just he's playing very very well at the moment and if Guardiola things he's droppable I would agree because he's he's playing consistently, he's keeping defenders on the toes, he's running um, at them now, that's what he's, he's adding to his game that he hasn't always had even at the start of the season, he's now starting to run at defenders again and that's the Jack Realist that City signed from Aston Villa so if he's taken a year to add all the sort of tactical discipline and, and instructions of the system that Guardiola requires and he's now bringing back that sort of running and he's starting to have shots which People have been crying out for you here every time he gets on the ball at the Etihad. Fans are crying for him to shoot, and he'll always play the simple ball. There's a, but now he's he's starting to have a bit more confidence to take that shot, make the pass, rather than just play it back to another blue shirt. And he's getting uh, goals and assists as a result.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I don't think it's it was necessarily the 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 the, the process of adding the more defensive and off the ball and tactical stuff to his game. He's a very, obviously, a very intelligent footballer. He he was doing that last season. Um, it, it, it wasn't exactly the prettiest or the most shining matches or the most exciting that you want to see from a hundred million signing. But he was doing what Guardiola wanted him when he was playing. He had that already. But now I feel he's been able to combine that with the attacking play, the the exciting dribbling, the the winning of the free kicks, the the making decisive contributions which he may have struggled with kind of doing both simultaneously combining. I think he put some up perfectly there that last year he was making the safe pass all the time and he, maybe that's what he thought was wanted of him in a game where control, you know, for a manager who stresses the need for control so often, but I think Guardiola's going to record many times he wants him to be a bit more adventurous, doesn't he? And I think he's finally finding that balance now and it's, it's paying off big time for City. And, you know, and a player who, who found that balance long long ago and is, probably hitting another, you know, finally hitting um back to his best after a, a slow start to the season. Mahrez, um, you know, a fine finish, a really clinical finish. I think, it, you know, we'll talk about City not taking the chances momentarily, but when Mahrez scored this, I was like, oh, maybe City are finally being clinical. It was, I'm pretty sure it was the first shot on target. If not, it was definitely the first proper clear-cut chance, and it was expertly dispatched, and he's continuing, as you say, the rights. Foden's kind of you know that's the spot he's competing for but Maris isn't giving that up at, um, without any fight either yeah I don't think it was the first shot on target I think Diaz
1: had a header that went straight at the goalkeeper but it was the first sort of clear opening in front of goal that you would have expected them to score and he did and he, I think he's scoring a lot of goals he he was scoring a lot since the World Cup and then maybe two or three games where it went off the boil and, and Phil Foden comes back in but he was sat on the bench at Nottingham Forest you could see him. He, he wasn't sat on the bench. He was sort of sat on the wall, wait, sort of itching to get on at Forest, and and he wasn't. He wasn't given that chance. But he came back. Guardiola said Foden was dropped because Mahrez is playing well, and Anderson. He, he was fresher as well, and I, I think he took that chance. It, it was interesting to see how he fitted in in that system. We we so often see him get the ball as the widest player. He's then either got to wait for the fullback to overlap him, or he's got to put a crossing or play it back himself this time there was someone there Kyle Walker was always there because he was playing essentially as a right winger and Myers could sort of occupy that space between the full back and the centre back and he just looked so dangerous and, and the defence couldn't cope they just didn't know what to do with him so his run inside for the goal was because he was in that position and he was sort of playing between those two defenders who didn't know whose job it was to pick him up and he was just allowed a free run into the centre of the box but even before that he was just his positioning he could make a dart into the box with the ball he could feed walker on the outside he had bernardo running up to support him inside it was a system that really sort of played to his strengths i think because when it when he gets the ball guardiola always says doesn't it doesn't he that he's not the fastest to play he's not the most direct when you have grealish and mares on the wings it's slower it's more it's more for control rather than getting to the byline and putting a cross. it as can do that but he, it's not his most natural sort of ins- so having someone on the outside to do that, I don't think Kyle Walker is necessarily the answer, his, his crossing wasn't amazing at Leipzig, but his pace and his position was always there it allowed Mares to have that a little bit more space and just want one- to do something with it and he got his goal and if, if that's a, a solution that City could use in the future just to free mares up a little bit more and as I say before, draw a couple more defenders in to give Grealish space, I think that's Probably the best we've seen both of them as a pair just because they have, they were given the space in the system to do, the, do what they could do. And then we saw in the second half when Kyle Walker was back, he was forced sort of back into his right back position. Grealish and Mahrez didn't have that space again. They were sort of having to play as the, the youth. Also, Mahrez was still trying to play inside and just they were swallowed a little bit and didn't have that freedom. But in the first half, it was a system that really, really
0: played to their strengths. Well, we'll bring part one of the Talking City podcast to a close. There, we'll be back in just a moment when we'll dive into more detail in the match, and we'll talk about Edison, Erling Haaland, and much, much more. Don't go anywhere. hello there everyone and welcome back to the talking city podcast now Joe last on the last episode we kind of went in quite detail on this Edison debate that's been raging and it, it you kind of saw both sides of the argument uh in leipzig um uh the G or the duality of the goalkeeper in the second half obviously leipzig came out of the came out of the traps firing and we're all over city city and had loads of opportunities but Edison um, well, first of all, he saved the first shot on target against him right at the end of the first half, so that was a plus. But a lot of chances came Leipzig's way, now they weren't the best chances. I w- I'd say of the saves he made, one was brilliant, one was probably, and but I wouldn't say any of them were ones you wouldn't expect him to save. But the one I'm referring to was about on the sixty third minute, Andre Silva kind of dribbled his way into the box and from a tight angle yes but from quite close absolutely whacked the ball in Edison's direction and he, he was out quickly he had a big hand to it and battered it away there was one good save he made from distance um that was going towards the top corner I think it was actually that actually led to the corner which they scored from if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he made a lot um a lot of good saves and he kind of answered those critics where you know City can control and then when they need Edison He's not there. He doesn't make the saves. He did. Um, I don't actually know how many shots at got on target, but it's, uh, it certainly seemed that uh, Edison had three or four, maybe even five or six, good saves to make. But then the issue came with the goal where he did kind of get lost coming off his line, almost shrunk under the shadow of the kind of absolutely massive Josko Um But he was even the only one as Ruben Diaz was also out jump there. Um, and then obviously Gvardiol headed home. Now it was a bullet header. I feel like it might have gone in regardless of where Edison was, but that certainly added more fuel to the fire of him not being that good. It's, it's a debate that doesn't seem to be going away, and if anything, kind of picking up steam a bit here, but I, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it was a bit of a mistake, but he he kept sitting in the game beforehand, and they would have probably lost if it wasn't for him. I think it was a game that will
1: support your argument whichever whichever side of the fence you're on, because... He saved his first shot on target and I've never agreed with the argument that's gone against him that he keeps conceding his first shot on target because the goals in, in question that have been sort of uh, levelled against him, I would say only one is potentially his fault and even then it shouldn't have got to him in the first place um, but yeah he saved that shot on target, he kept out a really dangerous low cross the Andre Silva one was just a good piece of goalkeeping as well. He j- he dives high to his right to to keep out a, a shot. I think it was Soberslie, might be wrong, but you know it was. That they're the sort of headline saves that fans have been asking for. So if you if you're on the sort of Pro Edison camp, you're saying, look at him there. He's 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 doing what he needs to do, and he's proving reliable. And then the corner comes over, and he goes to sort of meet it and then realises it's too high and then he's just so, sort of stuck in no man's land. I don't think he would have got it anyway. There, there are some arguments there's a sort of still image that looks like radiol is really pushing down on Diaz. I think when you actually look at the replay in in, in moving time, which is what referees do I don't think that you can uh, say it's a foul. I think I think the, the, the calls for a foul were pretty sort of desperate. I think it was a very fair goal in, in my opinion. Um but you look at the goalkeeper and he's just a little bit lost and you think, uh, eh, I'm not I'm not sure. But yeah, it's uh, it's a debate that's gonna go on and on. He's got another game against Bournemouth to see to see what he can do. I, I don't think Guardiola will drop him. I think yes, Stefan Ortega will come in in the FA Cup against uh, Bristol City, but then he'll get sort of dropped to the bench again because that's what happens. I think Guardiola trusts Edison. Um, there was a couple of moments as well that again back up the claim that he brings far more to the the city system than shot stopping, which is just his calmness under pressure, especially in the second half. Leipzig have got a really sort of strong press on City's defence, and without Edison, they would have conceded a couple of goals. I'm looking at Real Madrid um, against Liverpool; both goalkeepers conceded a goal because they, they sort of dithered on the ball and the strikers pushing them. Edison is has done that in the past but the amount of times hes he's under pressure and he just calmly flicks the ball away and yeah I, I'm I'm in the pro Edison camp I've'm I'm, I'm not sort of subscribing to the sort of the the argument that he, he cost city but um yeah it was a, another mixed let's say it was a mixed performance from him
0: well, there was another example of that as well in, in United's win over Barcelona on Thursday. I mean, De Gea, of course, yeah. um, he's one of the keepers. Yeah, he's been one of the keepers that City fans have been saying, you know, look at the saves he makes. And in fairness, once again, he made some great saves against Barcelona. But at one point, he just booted the ball straight out free three players. Like, the pass, there was no player where he kicked kick the ball to to even it be a reasonable pass to make. He just booted it straight to three Barcelona players, and they were very lucky not not to concede, so I think if you look at, you know, and I say Alisson, he's obviously the one that's often, at least in the Premier League, compared most closely to Edison in terms of being able to play on the ball, and obviously both being Brazilian and whatnot, but his mistake was hilariously bad, I know Lois Karius is a bit like the ghost at the feast at the minute, as soon as he's back in the public consciousness for the first time in five years, every goalkeeper goes to, um, goes to pot, but, you know, Edison does what no other keeper, apart from I can only think of two, and that is Neuer and Ter Stegen, who are capable of doing what he does on the ball, coming out, being so comfortable for defend for his defenders to push high, and no keeper suits suit City as well, and the world. And again, find me one, fair enough. And as I said uh, a couple of days ago, Jamie Trafford's just got Bolton to Wembley, so maybe he's the future. No, he definitely is the future. What am I saying? He's a brilliant, but... He's not ready now, and he's not going to be ready for quite a bit, I imagine, and Edison's got a lot a lot of life in him yet, um, so I don't think he'll be going anywhere anytime soon, that's for sure. Um, let's kind of talk about Erling Haaland now. Not to hoist another boring and tired and worn-out debate about him um, after the other one has just kind of ended uh, to the extent of him being found, our um, city adapting to him, but we'll talk about how he just wasn't past two in a moment, but what, what I want to talk about, and he's kind of growing to now. that, but what I want to talk about is that when he finally was found, the one time, and it was Jack Grealish of course who did it, he was slid in and he went through, he powered past his defender and he was in on goal and you'd bet your life, in the in the great words of Ray Hudson, you'd have bet you're beating hard on him to score, but you'd be dead, he was through on goal and he dragged his shot wide and you're thinking, wow, he should be scoring that, and I, I'm... And then, you know, a minute later, Leipzig equalised and it was quite similar to to the Forest game where the chance was even more... Well, both of them were even more of an absolute sitter and he and he somehow misses. Now, I'm not saying he's not bad, obviously. He's amazing. He's got 32 goals already. It's ridiculous. But, and it's, and it's a big but, Haaland was signed, as we all know, to win that Champions League, to be the man who can score in those decisive moments to the guilt-edged chances... In games where you might only get one, you know, this is just not to disrespect Leipzig, but you'd expect to beat Leipzig when you're coming up against Real Madrid or your your Bayerns or, well, probably not PSG because they're going to get knocked out with the looks of things, but your big European sides when the margins forever is so close, when opportunities are rarer, when the pressure is at absolute highest, Haaland's meant to be the guy to score in those moments, to do what City players and City have struggled to do so often and just get over the line when they need it most. And on the it's a small sample size and I'm sure he's scored with his first chance in many other games but in these last two games when City have had their backs against the wall a little bit and needed to kill games off and ensure the victory he has missed when they haven't been the easiest well the chances are easy off but the situation wasn't that easy and I'm a little bit worried like the stakes aren't even at the highest yet and should City advance past Leipzig, which is by no means a guarantee, and should they get to any finals and whatnot, or they need a goal to clinch themselves in the title race when they go and play Arsenal in April or whatever. Um, is there a little bit of concern that you won't convert those chances when they, if they do come? I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too much into it for the sake of having to write an opinion. It's got to be done. But, I don't know, I've seen it twice in two games, maybe it's just a coincidence, of course, freeze a pattern, but I'm just just a little bit worried about that. See, I look at that chance
1: against Leipzig, and yes, he was through on goal, but he had, was it Gradio pushing him wide? Or rather than one of the two. Yeah, so he still had quite a lot to do. The only way he could go was literally forward rather than sort of angled in towards the goal. So the angle to find the bottom corner was sort of decreasing with every sort of stride. I don't think it was the easiest chance. And the, the finish that he gave... He could see he was trying to find the bottom corner, but it was very hard to find that bottom corner. It it seemed to me it was more out of frustration. He was getting a very, very frustrated before that because the amount of runs he was making that were just going ignored. And yes, Guardiola said after the game he wanted control. He he wanted City to find Haaland, but also he, he didn't want to. He, he was very wary of the transitions that, that Leipzig could do with the pace that they had. So maybe that's why City weren't playing the risky ball, which you do get with Haaland. Now, a lot of people would say, put it in his direction and he's probably going to get get it because of his strength. But there were a couple of times where he did get sort of played through and Gradiol just shrugged him off because he is a very good, strong, fast defender. I wouldn't say that that was the easiest chance that he's had, but after sort of 60 minutes of getting absolutely nothing I think he touched the ball was it 20 times in the whole game and he he only touched the ball once in the uh, opposition box which was that chance you're you sort of relying on him to to do something and it, it's highlighted just because he was just sort of so out of the game I wonder if that and the forest the forest miss were frustration because We know against Forest he didn't get service either. He he had another big, strong, fast defender at him, not giving him a moment's peace. Is it just a case of an hour of getting no service and getting wound up by an opposition that he's snatching at chances? I don't know. I, I I can think of quite a few chances earlier in the season. Yes, it's in the box and City are dominating, but he's gone 20, 30 minutes without having a sniff. And suddenly it's in the box, and he comes alive. But he didn't get. He, he had one chance that was uh, given to him to run onto that that we've spoken about, and I don't think he had any that was sort of played to him in the box. The, the crosses that came in, for as, as dominant as City were, the crosses were pretty poor at, at Leipzig, and that's where Haaland's, Haaland sort of thrives. So it, yes, you can you can look at the the last two games, you can say uh City have had thirty-five shots over those games, nine of which on target and they've only scored two goals, that's a bit of a concern and that is when, as you say, City need Haaland to score goals. But I think it's a whole team team issue in, in that if Haaland isn't scoring as as we uh, discussed last week, City needs to find another Pan B and, and that, that sort of win rate of when Haaland doesn't score, that's gone down to thirty percent now. It's a it's another example of, of Haaland not scoring and i think he scored four i've written it down he scored four in the three goals immediately after the world cup but he's got five in his next 11 and he's got only one in his last six so if if you offered city at the start of the season thirty thirty two 32 goals in his first 32 games no one's complaining he scored in 60 percent of his matches that's brilliant but i think it's because he's got so many at the start of his his career at city he's only scored in like three games of the last 11 now i think that's why there's a few sort of questions and when you have performances like Leipzig, where he's he's just not involved and he's getting frustrated when teammates aren't passing in the ball, I think that just exacerbates all the all the sort of arguments that are going around. But again, he's not gone more than three games without scoring a goal for City in his career so far. Bournemouth are up next, then Bristol City. He's
0: a player who doesn't doesn't dwell on these mischances for long, is he? No, absolutely not. And I think. You kind of right, it can often be a sense of kind of perception, and I think you see it so often with teams. You know, uh, a team will start a season really well, you know, let's say a Fulham this season or a they started so well, um, and European contention, there's talk of them, you know, doing this and that. And then, and then if they drop away, um, as an example, I'm not saying this would happen in their case, but it has happened to other teams. If they drop away, fans will be like, oh, that's rubbish, that's such a disappointing season, oh, we should have got, I can't believe we've not uh yeah, qualify for Europe, whatever. And, but if they had done it the other way, started a bit poor and ended the season really well, and got up to ninth, you'd be like, "Oh, what a great season! Absolutely smashed that!" Because obviously, there's recency bias, and and you know the last thing you ha- that happens is what you remember the most. And if it's a sense of you know achievement and joy, then you're buzzing. If it's a sense of uh, failure and dread, then obviously you're not. So it is a sense of perception. You know, as you say, Holland was kind of a victim of his own success, scoring so often at the start of the season, and now. Any striker, as I've said, I think I've said numerous times, any striker goes through um, lulls and uh, kind of drier patches. It's it's bound to happen just because he's scored so many so often and he's still scoring at a great rate doesn't mean, you know, it's not a crisis when he doesn't score. And I'd, I'd definitely not subscribe to that. I think he's obviously brilliant. But I, that's some kind of my concern is just that if he's getting frustrated and he's letting it maybe affect his finishing, he needs to maybe, like, Chill, chill out a bit, I guess. I know he seems like the most chill chill League footballer going, so I don't know how, how, how angry he does tend to get. But as you say, when you say like he doesn't score in City, you know, only a 30% win rate when they, when he doesn't score, and I'm kind of looking at this, some of the games he doesn't score in. Now, obviously, he has scored against Arsenal. He's got a hat-trick against United, and he scored in the win, and the comeback win against Tottenham. But the games when he hasn't scored in, a lot of them are kind of against big teams. It's the, the defeat to Tottenham, the defeat to United. Um, the, the Chelsea didn't score against, even though Chelsea City did win that one. Um, the defeat to Liverpool, the first one of the season, the Community Shield to Liverpool, and now in this Champions League match, um, Arsenal in the FA Cup as well. And um, he, he he's not scored in some. I I, I don't know how, how much of a point I can actually make of this because he has done it as well. It's not like he can't, but he's not scored in big games, and sometimes City have been costed already. No, it's not kind of. Uh, costly to such a massive extent yet because obviously there's loads of seasons to go and you know City's still in the FA um, still in the FA Cup etc and still in the title race of course but when the margin for error is even smaller and the punishment is immediate when this you know Champions League Champions City could feasibly go out and Haaland missed a great chance and he's been brought in as everyone knows City want to win the Champions League more than anything else it's the it's the thing that's proved elusive it's what I think Guardiola himself has admitted he has he admitted he be a failure or has he been against that? I'm pretty sure he said he'd be classed as a failure at least. Yeah, he's all of it showing it, but I think everyone knows that Champions League is what City want more than anything. And Haaland's going to have to... City are going to get frustrated. when They're going to play better teams. If they get Madrid, I mean, look at Madrid against Liverpool. There's going to be points in that game where they are left frustrated and Haaland's marked out the game and City can't find him. He has to take those chances when they come his way I think and well not just him City needs to be more clinical all over of course but I just see it and I'm like yeah, you know he'll, he'll end this debate immediately he'll go and score an hat-trick in the second leg but I, I just wonder if there's a little bit of concern of him maybe going missing a bit in when City need him I know not know that's ridic- it might be ridiculous I wouldn't say he's to going say.
1: missing I, I, I mean the, the game's not being been listed found there yeah, it, it, it's it's a sort of a combination of a lot of things, and sometimes you've just got to say they've been playing good teams. Chelsea have been all over the over the shop, but they have very good defenders like Thiago Silva. You've mentioned Liverpool, United, Arsenal, RB Leipzig games that he hasn't scored in Tottenham. They're all good teams with good systems, and as we've spoken about before, it's not always just Haaland against his defender. It's about the the sort of press against City to stop the balls getting to Haaland in the first place, and. I would point to teams like Brentford and uh, Nottingham Forest who who did that very well, who also stopped him scoring. So sometimes you've just got to say, the opposition did quite a good job on City's tactics of getting it to Haaland. Now that also comes back to the point of City need to find a, a plan B when it's not working and and they can't get Haaland in the game. And, and can other players take advantage of, of of that sort of focus on Haaland to, to score a goal themselves? The, the record of one goal a game when Haaland doesn't score, isn't going to win you a lot of games because City have shown that they are capable of conceding at the moment. But um, no, I think you are right in the sense that City have brought him to score in big games. He has scored in some good big games. He's also uh, probably got to hold his hands up and, and say that the defence did a good job on on him in other big games. But um, I'd say let's judge him after the, after the second leg because he's also a player who learns a lot and he will learn a lot from playing against Guardiola and and all and city will learn from when the right moments are to to play him in and and not so um for all we know he can go and score the winner in a tight second leg and he's been held the hero again look at look at the Dortmund game at home it was a tight game he comes up with a a moment of magic where he he flings himself up in the air and and scores with that that flying sort of boot into the top corner he, he he's not a player who stays down for long and I think you're pick, you're picking at you know, sort of problems that don't always exist when he scored thirty-two
0: and thirty-two, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of the way you. It's kind of have to be sometimes with City because they are so brilliant at times. You are kind of looking at minor details to analyse because otherwise it'd be pretty boring and we don't not have much to talk about. Um, I say I, I'm not doubting Haaland's ability in the slightest. I have no doubt he will. Shut me up and go score an hat trick against Leipzig or something like that. But I just have a vision in my mind of City in like the semi final against Madrid or something, and he misses the chance. I could just, I could just picture it so clearly. But you know,
1: we, I think you can also we see talk... a, a scenario where they're, they're in a semi final against against Madrid and and he scores the winner, and that's the difference from last season. It's there's there's two sides to to the whole that's the argument, isn't that's it? That's it.
0: Yeah, that's that's why he's been brought in and. He, I'm, you know, can he do it, that, that that is kind of the crux of the question, I'm intrigued to see if he can and I hope we do soon, but as I say, you'll have to get past two for that to happen, and you could see during the game, I don't think he's ever got that quite exasperated at people not passing to him in that match, Like so many times he's making run after perfect run and either the pass didn't find him or they wasn't even attempted like, why don't City just get the ball to him a little bit more, you know, you could tell me about control and keeping the ball and not taking risks or whatever, but as I've said again, as I've said numerous times, man, the the risk getting rid of risk is being three 0 up and just giving your striker the ball to smash through and score. Like it's not Han's fault that he's only had one chance that he has to take and you can't do it. It's because maybe getting more chances, get the ball to him. He's there. He's making the runs. You know, just thread the ball through. It's not like we're asking him to. It's not like we're asking um asking Pep to go full-on Sam Allardyce and just boot the ball up you know and there'd be nothing wrong with that anyway you know Edison's got great delivery why is he not just mixing it up every now and then and just having Edison just bang a ball over the top and have him run through I don't I feel like there's not that much risk in mixing it up every now and then yeah and the
1: the the one that Harlan got visibly frustrated at it looks so obvious I think it was Gundogan there was so much space just to thread it in a general area and you knew Haaland would run run onto it and, and most likely have a shot. Um, again, I think it comes back to the the same thing we said after Nottingham Forest. He's still making those runs. If he was not making the runs, then the, the, the players who are guilty of not finding him will be able to say, well, he's not making the run. Haaland is always making those runs. He's made it from the first game he played for City and he will continue to do that. So... It's up to City and up to Guardiola if they want to change and sort of play that risk a bit more. But I think one thing is for certain that Haaland isn't going to stop doing that and keeping the defenders on their toes. So, again, it's less of a problem if if he's still doing it and he's still making the space and still creating the chances. If he wasn't doing anything and just standing in the middle, then there'd be a bit more cause for concern. But it's an easier
0: problem to fix when you know that Haaland's still going to do it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a game City... So you know, could have won and probably had should have had an even greater opportunity to win right at the death. I mean, a corner is worked by Marez and Gundawan. Marez gets a better angle to cross it in. Rodri meets it with a header and he heads it towards the aforementioned Benjamin Henrik. And he can only be described as pushes the ball away. I don't get how it wasn't even looked at by VA. Apparently, what I've heard contrasting reports but peter walton on bt sport said he has a monitor which you wait for use to check the ar and it didn't go to this decision i don't get how it's not given this for the some of the handballs i have seen given again i don't understand the rules anymore For the, some of the handballs i've seen given in this blooming sport and that one wasn't when his hands are at his maybe maybe the argument is his hands are behind his are in front of his body and hit his body anyway. I don't know, but at one point he literally pushes him to the side and literally, like, almost got control of the ball. It was like volleyball. So I, I, I am absolutely baffled how it wasn't a penalty. Yeah, well, if Peter Walton says it wasn't looked at, and Pep Guardiola says it
1: was, I think I'll trust Pep Guardiola on that one. He's, uh, you know, Guardiola said it was looked at, so and and the referees decided not. I, I don't understand it. I think it was. On on the on power of Luis Suarez against Garner at, at, at the World Cup in in terms of pushing the ball away to stop it going in a direction that the defender didn't want it to go in. At the time, it it I didn't see it watching on on the on the feed, but you know it it takes one replay and surely VAR need only one look at that to say, yeah, go on, ref, go and have a look at that because he's literally punched the ball away. It doesn't matter if his if his hands are within the silhouette of the body. When you're extending them to put punch the ball away, that's handball. That's that's a deliberate act, and it's a definite penalty. So I can see why why Guardiola was annoyed. I I would. I, I think it was funny that he 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 said, "We know what happened. We didn't see it again, but we know what happened. We knows know, know what happened in the past, and we know what will happen again." Um, read into that what you will. I I would again though come back to the fact that City will be frustrated that. That was a turning point in the match, and that was a decisive decision. They should have had that tie. They should have led in that tie. Let's 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 be honest, and and they should be taking a lead into the second leg. The fact that it comes down to a contentious penalty or a missed Haaland chance, they'll be disappointed, just like they were disappointed at Forest when when they had the chances to win the game.
0: Yeah, well, one man who wasn't disappointed with the result was Guardiola. You know, we talked earlier; he kept to things interesting with his pre-match lies about his team. But afterwards, he was quite interesting as well. He went all Phil Brown on the pitch, gathering his players around. He didn't quite get them sat down and your fingers at them. So, uh, um, you know, Gundogan won't have to do the Jimmy Bullard celebration anytime soon. But he did gather his players round on the pitch. I don't think everyone was there, but it was a good handful, um, six or seven or eight. Um, and as we've kind of learned afterwards from Guardiola himself and Mares the part was he wanted, you know, City players were obviously disappointed with the result. They thought they should have won, but... The, the manager wasn't as we've kind of discussed Leipzig are a great team and a, a draw in the first leg away is by no means a disaster um so he told them all to kind of you know chin up you played really well not much of an issue um go and go and thank the fans and, that, and that's what they did and you know as well as that, Guardiola didn't make a substitution now I thought this wasn't as rare as it was but I have seen conflicting things it was like the first time he's actually ever done it in the Premier League and Champions League I could have sworn he's not made a sub in the past, but maybe he's just made because we've had this discussion before during the five sub um, kind of debate when the Premier League didn't have it during the during the COVID days, you know, and we were all saying, "Well, why do you want five subs? You never use it." And that that, that was kind of asked of him again here. Um, yeah, a strange one, either in the, regardless of how often he's done it or not, um, strange one that he didn't do it here. Gundogan was asked about it. He said, "You know, it's the manager's decision. We can we can deal with it." Um, Gundogan himself thought everyone was playing well um Guardiola was asked about it he said he considered bringing Ford on but uh, as as that old I'm sick of the, I'm sick of this word but um wanted control of the midfield <laughs> honestly I'm so sick of control control me to stop talking about it but um an interesting one uh, nevertheless that he didn't make so
1: yeah I was looking at this uh, on about the sort of 70 80 minute market at Nottingham forest cuz he'd not brought anyone on then and you could you could sense that maybe forest could could nick something and I thought he'd done it earlier this season, but as far as I could go back until Forrest then scored and had to rewrite my entire pieces, I couldn't find it. So I don't think he's done it this season or, or certainly not for a few months. Or he might have done what he did at Forrest and just waited until the last couple of minutes to make changes. His explanation was the the C word, the control word. He, he wanted uh, Bernardo to, to continue sort of offering that protection in front of the defence. He said Gundogan was playing well in midfield with with um, Riyad Mahrez and Jack Grealish you, you do get sort of more possession and you know City were under the caution in quite a lot of that second half Leipzig were pressing quite high and with Grealish and Mahrez you do get players who will put the foot on the ball and keep possession and Grealish especially will uh, will attract fouls and, and sort of just just take the pressure off a little bit so while he said he, he was going to bring Foden on after the goal then City had a couple of chances and and you can understand that explanation that he also said to fans who sort of aren't happy with that that he's the boss basically and he told the players to to be proud of their performance yes they were disappointed but Guardiola was basically putting it in perspective that they've done well to get a good result in the first leg take it back to the second one be be happy with it and the, the message we've been getting from the last two games yes the fans are frustrated yes they've created a lot of chances and it, compared to the opposition who've had about you know a third of the chances if that and still managed to score two goals. Guardiola's still being happy with the performances. Compare it to his 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 big rant the other month after they beat Tottenham and scored four goals. He's he's happier with the attitude now and and the sort of application. So he he clearly feels like there's not much of an issue. The the results will turn. The goals will start flowing again. And that's what he's been trying to impress on his players. But um, his main message was it's a two leg game. So he put he must have thought let's not risk going behind and making it a more difficult chance in Manchester let's take the draw bring it back and
0: um, sort of build on from that well it's certainly set to be a fascinating second leg but we'll turn our attentions back towards the Premier League in part three hello there everyone and welcome back to the Talkers City podcast Joe Another, yes, another away day on Saturday, as you mentioned earlier. On a big old trip down to Bournemouth, we've not had the um, opportunity to speak to Pep yet. Yeah, the press conference will be later on in Friday. But, um, you know, you mentioned there the goals will hopefully flow, and this feels like the sort of game where they certainly could. It was City's second match of the season, I do believe, um, uh, this year, and um, they won 4 0. Haaland didn't score, of course, but did when he did get the assist for Gundogan. Um Bournemouth struggling just outside the relegation zone, down in seventeenth. Uh, like if 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 we have a similar story as we have in the last two games uh, against the Cherries, I think then there's a bit more cause for concern. I'd wager.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it will be the same game as we saw at the Etihad. It's a long way, Guardiola went out of his way to mention that he'd done a lot of travelling recently, he said they, they were at Arsenal then three days later, they were um, away at Nottingham Forest and three days later away at Leipzig and now they're down in Bournemouth and after that they've got to go to Bristol City, there's a lot of away games there, a lot of travelling. And, and, and
0: if it takes City four hours to get to London, it's going to take them at least seven to get to Bournemouth I think. This is it, I, I'll take seven when I'm driving down tomorrow to, to, to be honest,
1: <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I think it will be more difficult than the home game just because of a smaller stadium, a stadium that City don't really play in in terms of size and sort of atmosphere. Um, Bournemouth will be fighting for their lives. I think City should win. City have to be winning these kind of games against relegation sides. But if they go there thinking they've won, potentially like they did at Nottingham Forest, they might come unstuck. If they come back without a win, they they, they will be uh, very disappointed though. I think with Bristol City coming up next, Guardiola can stay relatively strong. He's not really got that many options. We'll find out whether Kevin De Bruyne and Aymeric Laporte are, are sort of recovered from their illness that kept them out of uh, the Leipzig trip. But their absence was really sort of felt on the bench. When when Guardiola was looking to bring players on at Leipzig, we talked about the substitutions. He only really had Foden and Julian Alvarez to bring on. Yes, Calvin Phillips and Sergio Gomez were there, but that they're not going to change the game. And then you've got Cole Palmer, Maximo Peroni, and then two youth team players in Shea Charles and Alex Robertson. They're, the, the the options to bring on are, are fairly limited and therefore the options to, to rotate in terms of the Bournemouth game are also quite limited. So having De Bruyne and Laporte back is kind of necessary, really. We'll find out and we'll bring you whatever Guardiola says on the Manchester Evening News website. But um, no, I, th- I think it will be another intriguing game City should win but it's another one if you offered them a, a rubbish performance and a 1-0 win they'd, uh, they'd stamp your hands off it I think
0: yeah I'm quite I'm quite intrigued with that lineup. As I should say even if Laporte and De Bruyne are back um, hopefully they're fully fit and fully recovered, but um, even if they are, you can imagine they're probably maybe not the fittest at the minute. I mean, you know, if they've, if they've got the lurgy I've had last few weeks, tell you what, they'll be coughing up green balls of sludge forever. So um, I wish them all the best, but I, I can see this match as quite an interesting opportunity for Phil Foden. Now, Guardiola spoke at his pre-Leipzig press conference in quite quite a lot of detail about a lot of things. Blimey neck, it was hard to it was hard to uh, transcribe at points, but I thought his stuff about... Foden in midfield, while kind of treading a similar line that we've heard before, we're quite interested in the fact that he knows he can do it in there. Um, he compared his moment when he went through um, against Forest and then kind of tripped over the ball to Lionel Messi of all players. Um, you know, he says he's got the skills to play in midfield, but um, he's still young and needs to learn not more the stuff off the ball than on the ball, the, the positioning, the time, and the decision making and whatnot, but I've kind of written today for, for going up tomorrow, Like, I think it's quite harsh because like, you can't really learn those things intrinsic to the position right? playing in the position a lot. and obviously, he has a lot, but he's not done it much often for the last two and a half years now. But if De Bruyne is fit and not, um, that midfield, I, I, Gundogan, Bernardo, and, well, Bernardo might be playing at left-back again, who knows, um, and Rodri, they've played a lot of matches, and even if De Bruyne is fit, that still only leaves... One, one person for rotation Phillips potentially coming in but I wonder if this is a, a an intriguing opportunity for Foden to get a game in midfield I know City need to win um, Arsenal play, once again play earlier than them but they're against Leicester who despite losing to United are kind of hitting a bit of form and look good with James Madison so by no means in easy games so or City could have a huge opportunity by the time they play Bournemouth but um, I see this as a game I don't think it will happen but if I was Guardiola I wouldn't you know Obviously not, but it seems like a good opportunity to me to give Foden a kind of a a fairly low stake. Maybe the the Bristol game would suit be this as well, but a fairly low stakes match in midfield to show that you know he keeps saying he will do it, he can do there, but we've not actually seen any sort of effort to put in there in recent years. He's played there in the cup, so I think if
1: Guardiola is going to play Foden in midfield in the next week, and I think he will, I think it'll be a Bristol City rather than uh, Bournemouth you say it's a low stakes game I'd disagree slightly after the the forest draw I think City need to sort of keep that pressure up on Arsenal and I'm frantically trying to find out who Arsenal have got at the at the weekend but regardless of that well yeah that's a potential opportunity for, for Arsenal to, to slip up again especially away from home so I, I think City will stay relatively strong having De Bruyne on the port back will help just keep people fresh if possible uh, but no, I think these two games is probably an opportunity for Foden to get that sort of rhythm back that Guardiola has been been looking for, and and then after that it's uh, Newcastle at home, which is uh, going to be a, a relatively difficult game because they've fallen off a little bit. But Newcastle have been one of the the best teams of the season, and they cause City a lot of problems. So, um, I yeah, I think he'll go strong. I don't think he'll play Foden in midfield, but I suppose if he did, having Bernardo in the sort of left back, sort of. I saw someone describe it as a false left-back the other day, and I I quite like that because it essentially is what the role is. If Bernardo's in that false left-back role, it gives Foden just a bit more defensive protection in midfield to go and play the attacking midfield role that uh, he could could excel in. Um, But again, I think
0: it'll be Bristol City that he he does that rather than Bournemouth. Well, it certainly set to be another interesting weekend. City certainly need a win. And, of course, you can follow all the action over on at slash Manchester City for all the uh, expert analysis and uh, breaking news and all the lovely content you could possibly desire so thank you everyone very much for listening to the talking city podcast if you want to watch this in a living color and see our lovely mug you go over to our youtube channel it's manchester evening news dash man city you can get our twitter at man city MEN, and of course we're also on facebook manchester evening news dash man city we'll be back later on next week to discuss whatever goes down on the south coast and look forward to that midweek uh yeah midweek get that in your calendars uh, uh a new step a new bold new future for the FA Cup but another long trip down south to Bristol for Manchester City we'll be looking forward to that as well and all the all the news that comes out in between so until then everyone this has been the Talking City podcast it's good bye for now ta